So if you have your Bibles, turn with you to Psalm 34, 7 through 11. If you got it, amen. All God's people said, amen. amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for today, for the opportunity just to hear your word and to enjoy a day, I think, removed from uh, normal and perhaps even kind of difficult and problematic distractions that we face back at home, uh, whether it's family issues, whether it's financial issues, whether it's academic issues, relational, whatever it is, and to allow us to enter into this, granted, it is a bubble, but Lord, I think that this retreat or really a, is, is a spiritual advancement, and so this is an opportunity for us to kind of get refreshed and recharged, and so we thank you for your grace in allowing us the time and also the finances and also just the willingness to be here, because every person person who is here is not here by accident. Every person who is here is not here because they just simply have nothing better to do, even though that might be your reason, but the reason why you are here is because God has allowed you to be here. The reason why you are here is because God has brought you here. The reason that you are here is because God's got something to say to you here. And so, uh, Lord, we just pray for an open mind. We pray for an open heart. And you know the fears that we have and the uncertainties and distractions. And so, Lord, we want to surrender all that at the foot of the cross. And we expect your Holy Spirit to lead us through that, uh, that plane of, of questions that we have and that we're going to discover something amazing and something powerful and something that will be transformative and something that will lead us ultimately to glorify you and to appreciate and love and grow in our authentic walk with you. So Jesus, we thank you, we love you. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. All right, <clears throat> what do you fear? What do you fear? This is not rhetorical. Raise your hand. What do you fear? What are you fearful of? Yeah, Peter. Terrorists, okay, yeah. What else? Snakes, Snakes yeah. Bugs, uh-huh. Hey, can I, can I tell you something really gross that happened last night? So I'm sleeping in my own room, right? And there's a bunch of beds and stuff. And you know, have you ever, did you hear, can you hear mice? Well, I can because my ceiling has a bunch of mice and you can hear them kind of scurrying along. Well, unfortunately, I was sleeping underneath a vent. And what happened last night was, I don't know when it was, maybe one or two in the morning, I felt something go, plop. And uh, thankfully it wasn't a mice, a mouse, but it was uh, it's poo, and <coughs> I was like, ah, and I, if I could, if I could have ripped my face off, I would have, uh, but I was so tired, I was like, ah, <laughs> so I don't know where the thing is now, uh, it could be very, <laughs> it could be behind my, I don't know, on me, uh, but that happened, and so um, I quickly, all I did was move to the adjacent bed, <laughs> which is a little bit better too, uh, so that was kind of scary and kind of gross, what else? Who else? What else? Are you, yeah, DP. Ocean. Yes. Who else? Jesse, what are you afraid of? We want to know more of, more of you. Well, there you go. You know? Who else? Alex, t tell me something. Alex. Failing college? Yeah, failure. There you go. Okay. P.E., what are you afraid of? Rejection. Okay. Yeah. Pastor Daniel, what about you? Fear of, fear of failure. Okay. There's a theme here. Uh, Mr. Hong? <laughs> I, I didn't mean to laugh. I'm sorry. It just kind of caught me off guard. Uh, Eliza. Snakes, okay. Hannah, Hannah. 
Losing your family, okay? Reba. Being alone. Well, you know, I got someone who does not want to be alone. <laughs> All right. Um, Gabby. <laughs> Come on, guys. I don't have all day for you guys to start getting this. Okay. Gabby, what about you? Losing family. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mr. Moon, what about you? Heights? Okay. Yeah. Joanna, what about you? Roaches. We got bugs. Yeah, bugs. Mr. Cho. Bugs. Okay. Uh, Elijah. All right. So all very practical fears here. Uh, I have three things I'm afraid of. First, I'm afraid of the deep ocean. So Daniel, you and I will stay in land. Okay? And the second one is related to the first, and that is I'm afraid of sharks. Deathly afraid of sharks. Um, but I can avoid it if I stay here. Uh, can I tell you something really, really crazy and that really kind of increased my trauma, my fear? God bless you. Um, when I was in DTS in Hawaii, there was a 40-foot cliff that we would always jump over uh, into the ocean. 40-foot 40, 40 cliff is super high. Uh, it's super high. Anyways, I've done it maybe once or twice before. And so my friends and I, we're, we've gotten so used to the area. It's clear blue water. It's perfect. It's beautiful. Um, and it's like a common tourist spot, so a lot of people do that there. And so my friend and I, we got out of the van, and as we're running, as we're running, uh, we're like taking our shirt off, because like that's just, we're just going straight to the cliff. We're taking our shirt, we're kicking off our flip-flops and stuff like that. My friend, he beat me, and then as he's running, right, he's the person who beats me to it. He jumps, and then as he's in the air, he screams. He looks down, I get there, and I see his dark shadow go, and he's in the air, and he's swallowing, he's like, like, it's, 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 it's so, it was the most interesting sound I ever heard a man or a person really do because it was a scream, but at the same time, it was like a, a breathing of air. It was like, <gasps> like this, but at the same time, screaming, and I was like about to get a heart attack just seeing a dark shadow, a big dark shadow, by the way, go, <laughs> he fell into the water. I've never seen anyone jump out of the water so fast, and as he's clawing himself back onto the rock, into the ledge, we see the shadow come back, and it was a seal. After that, I was like, never again. <laughs> right? So um, <clears throat> I'm afraid of sharks. I'm afraid of the ocean, the deep ocean. I'm afraid of the sharks. And I'm also afraid of the sound of the laughter of little girls when I don't expect it. <laughs> like, I'll tell you right now, I love my dear little Ada, and I miss her so much right now, being gone now for a couple days. And I love how she laughs. It's cute. It's, it's, I'm not going to try to try to replicate or produce that for you but it's just it's just cute right uh but i remember there was a day when grace and actually this is before junior was born um grace was gone and it was just me and ada and this was in the evening time and so you know like a good father i said here take the ipad uh so she she got the ipad and so she's super excited and she went into her room to watch like her her youtube like you know kitty shows and channels and stuff like that and probably like 30 minutes passed and i was in my room resting relaxing probably on my phone and I kind of forgot that I had a child. I forgot that she was there. I mean, we ate dinner, everything. It was, just, it was just like resting time, but I kind of forgot. I was just like in my zone, right? And then I guess Ada watched something funny on her iPad because after about 30, 45 minutes of just complete like, you know, forgetting, forgetfulness of the fact that my daughter was there. This is, my hallway was dark. I only had one lamp on my room. All of a sudden I heard in distance, 
I, the hair on my head just shot up, and I said, Ada! And then that's when I realized, you know, she, she comes around, she's like, she's like, yes, daddy? You know, like, it, it, but it creeped me out, and I just, I just made, I touched her, make sure she was, uh, that she wasn't a, uh, a ghost, and I touched her, I said, you are real, you are my daughter, and you are loved by the Lord, the Lord is with us, and then she went back, and that freaked me out, and I remember that. Now remember that to the day I die, okay? Um, it's scary, and especially for me as a former youth pastor, I've had many times where I've experienced that too in like youth group lock-ins, where like I'm, I'm in my room and all of a sudden I hear the laughter of like a couple of the middle school girls and it just creeps me out, right? It's just creepy. Anyways, so um, I don't like being scared even though I tend to often scare other people. And I don't do it intentionally. Uh, Joe, he's, I, I always tend to scare him. I don't know why, right? But fear is very real. Now, has anyone here ever watched the movie Saving Private Ryan? Right? Really, you haven't. It's, it's a gory movie, very dramatic, but I would encourage you guys to watch it. It's historical, historical too. Anyways, if you watch it from the beginning to the end, it's just an onslaught of war, of brutality, of violence, of death and fear. There were soldiers depicted in that movie that, was, that were so fearful. with fear. And so we think of fear as something to avoid, something that maybe is like a cheap thrill. If you've ever gone to like a haunted house show, right? Or maybe if you've ever seen like a slasher movie, just like a cheap, nervous type of thrill or something like that. But today, the Word of God tells us that fear is not some cheap thrill, that is not something to be fearful of, rather the fear that we need to have of God is necessary. Okay? It is necessary. Now, fear isn't something always dreadful. There's also the fear of something wonderful. That's the fear of God. Can everyone say fear of God? Fear. Right? Can everyone say fear of the Lord? Fear. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The Bible asks, do you want to lengthen your life? Then guess what? Fear the Lord. Do you want God's protection? Then fear the Lord. Do you want God's blessings? Then fear the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. Do you want God's provision? Then fear the Lord. Do you want to know the love of God? Then the Bible says to fear the Lord. Do you want to bring pleasure and honor to God? Then the Bible says fear the Lord. Do you want to fear no one but God? Then it says fear the Lord. For all, uh, those of you guys right now, you guys are young, obviously, but one day you guys will hopefully become a parent by God's grace. Okay, whether through adoption or biological, whatever it is, one day you'll have the great pleasure and honor of raising kids, of having kids. And guess what? When you have kids and if you want your children to be safe and protected, the Bible says you better fear the Lord too. And you better train your children to fear the Lord. Right? Moses said it. The prophets said it. The apostles said it. Even Jesus himself said it over <coughs> and over again. The Bible tells us how appropriate the fear of the Lord is, how right the fear of the Lord is, how necessary it is to fear God. It is a good thing. It is the right thing. It is a necessary thing. You see, when Jesus took his core disciples, Peter, Jason, John, up into the mountain, there Jesus transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes dazzled white, right? And all of a sudden, the clouds appeared, and a voice from the heavens said, This is my son, whom I love, my beloved. With him I am well pleased. And the voice said, Listen to him. And then when the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and they were overcome with fear. So, fear of the Lord. 
And that is a message that I believe that we seldom hear these days because we're so taken up with the love of God. And that's not bad because God is love. But I'm going to tell you all today that you cannot, and I want you to hear me well, you cannot fully appreciate the love of God unless you've learned the fear of God. You cannot fully appreciate the love of God unless you've learned the fear of God. You got to know, if you want to know the love of God, you got to know the fear of God. If you want to know the grace of God, you got to know the justice of God. You know, you know the song, Amazing Grace. It's a beautiful song. It's an old song, a song that we've all sung before. Do you know who gets hit really hard when they sing that song? It is the people who are messed up, (laughs) people who know how damaged they are, how broken they are, people who really understand the fearsome judgment of God. These are the people who have such jacked up, messed up lives that when they sing this amazing grace, how, how wretched I am, when they sing those lyrics, those words, man, it hits them. Because for them to understand the amazing grace of God, they understand, you see, the sinfulness and the brokenness of their lives. Okay? So, C.S. Lewis, he portrays this well. Uh, there's a book series called The Chronicles of Narnia. Have you guys read it? Right? Okay, you've probably seen it maybe. It's, it's in a movie. Anyways, the story goes like this. There's a Jill. Or there's a Jill. There's a girl named Jill. She's a little girl. And she's really the central person who develops this relationship with <coughs> Aslan. He's the line of Narnia, a.k.a. the Lord. He's Lord. And so they developed kind of this really tender, precious, close relationship of love. But first, but first, to get to that point, before they got to that point, before she loved him, she had to learn to fear him. So in the story, she encounters him at a stream. And there Aslan was. He was standing. Aslan is a massive lion. He's huge. He's powerful. He's menacing. But there's something glorious about him. There's something, there's something awesome about him. And so Aslan said, are you thirsty? And she says, I'm dying of thirst. He said, then drink. And so she says, "Um, may I? I mean, could I, but would you mind if you go away while I do? The lion answered this with only a look and a very low growl. And as Jill gazed at his motionless bulk, she realized that she might as well ask the whole mountain to move away for her convenience. But the delicious, rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. You see, she was so parched. Will you promise then, Jill said, not to do anything to me if I come forward? Aslan the lion said, I make no promises. Jill was so thirsty that by now she noticed that she was actually kind of inching closer and she came a step nearer. Um, Do you eat little girls, she said. Aslan said, I have swallowed up girls and boys, women, men, kings, emperors, cities, and realms. And he didn't say this as if he were boasting, nor as if he were sorry, nor as if he were angry. He just said it. And so Jill said, I dare not come and drink. Aslan said, then you'll die of thirst. Jill said, oh dear, coming another step nearer. Then I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. And then Aslan said, there is no other stream. What does it mean to fear God? 
you see, you only have one of two choices. You either come to a submission of fearing God or you don't. You see, because there's only one stream. So fear of God, it really means three things here. <coughs> the first is this. It means to be in utter, absolute awe of God. That means to be intellectually and emotionally and spiritually and physically overwhelmed by his holiness, overwhelmed by the power and the glory and the purity and the righteousness and the justice and the grandeur, the greatness of God. You see, that is what it means to be in absolute awe of God. The Bible says no man can see God and live. Why? Because his awesomeness is too overwhelming. To fear God is to be in complete and total awe of his being. Secondly, to fear God is to have a reverence for God. A reverence for God. It's to fall down on one's face before God in honor, in homage, adoration, and worship. You know, the people of Israel, they had a really nice way of doing this. You see, the covenant name of God the name that God shared with his people was Jehovah or Yahweh or Yehoah. And this name was so sacred to the Jewish people that they would even refuse to ever <coughs> pronounce it out loud. That's why we actually don't know how to correctly pronounce those four consonants. Y-H-W-H. We don't know because they, would, they wouldn't even write it down, the entire word, the entire name. It's unspoken. And so whenever a Jewish scholar or Jewish reader would kind of read through the writings and then he would come to the word Jehovah, he would not read it out loud. Instead, he would plug in some other word, the word Adonai, which means my Lord. That's how much reverence he has for God. That's how much reverence the people of God had for God. It's like this. Uh, Again, I mentioned this earlier, but I watched Les Mis a couple days ago. And after the show... When it all ended, and then you see people bow, right? The actors, the musicians, the vocalists, they all bowed, and the curtain went down and all that stuff, and people were standing up to leave. There were some people who were chatting, yes, but really, if you looked around, most people were just in awe of what they've witnessed. They were in awe of what they witnessed. There was almost, there were probably more than 1,000 people there, and yet there was a, a quietness. There was even a a kindness, a quiet respect and wonder. And as I was walking, I've seen the show before, but that was Grace's first time. As we were walking out, Grace, all she could say at the end was, wow. Just wow. That's what the wonder of God does in a person's life. The fear of God has the same effect on people. It's awe and reverence which causes us to tremble before him and to wonder at him and to walk in obedience, to be kind and to be full and to be pure and pleasing. But there's more. There's a third aspect of fearing God. It's the fear of dishonoring him. It's the fear of disappointing him. It's the fear of disobeying your father in heaven. Let me ask you guys this. How many of you guys... Talk differently uh, to each of your parents. Mm-hmm. So, like, when my mom calls, um, I speak Korean to her more so than I speak with my father, but I speak English to her as well. And so she'll say, like, you know, did you eat? And I'll be say stuff like, yeah, nah, yuppers, 
just, I mean, just very casual, right? Just like, mm, I'll grunt, you know? Just very casual. <clears throat> but when my dad calls, it's weird. Whenever my dad calls, I'm, I'm in my office, and I'm kind of like slouching because I have horrible posture, and I'm just like typing. When my dad calls, I was kind of straighten myself up. <laughs> He's not even there, right? He's calling me. I was kind of straighten up, and I'll get the phone, right? And I'll put it, <clears throat> and then um, I'll, I'll talk with him. And my answers are always, it's never, yeah, or hmm, or yuppers. It's yes. It's no. It's very clear. <clears throat> it's very to the point. Now, I have an intimate relationship with my dad, but I'll be honest with you. There is a sense of casualness that will never really quite be there. My dad, he's always been kind to me. He's always loved me. He's always supported me. But there's always a sense of, you know what, and this goes the same for my mom too, but especially my dad, I really don't want to disappoint you. I really don't want to disappoint you because of, because just of how much you mean to me and how much I know I mean to you and how much I respect and love you. There's that kind of relationship there. I believe that's the way it is with God too. You see, the, <coughs> the disciples, they desperately want to please Jesus. They want to please Jesus so much that his holy, fearsome love is actually what led them and propelled them to risk it all and ultimately lost and they would lose their lives for his sake. But even with those three points, there's also a sweeter side of fear. A sweeter side. I remember when Grace and I first got married, we began living together. <coughs> as busy as she was, she always tried to make me home meals. Right? I never told her to. I'm quite progressive, right? I, I make dinner too. I do the dishes. You know why? Guys, listen up for a second here. Um, don't be the helper to your wife. Don't do the dishes just because you're helping your wife. Do the dishes because they are your dishes. Take out the trash because they are your trash. When you have kids, take care of your kids, not to help your wife. Take care of your kids because guess what? They are your kids. Okay? So that's the relationship. I never told her to make me meals or anything like that. I'm not that archaic, right? Not to say that it's horrible to ask. But she just wanted to. So there were times when she would rush back from work. She would go to the grocery store. She would bring the food back. She would chop, cook, boil, set all the food out. And there was this one particular day. I told her that I had some work at church, so I'd be a little late. Not too late, just a little late, half an hour maybe. And so when I finally came home to eat, she said, Chagia, I'm just kidding, she never said that to me. She said, I hope you like it, but I'm afraid it might not fit your taste. Also, the grocery store that I went to, Harris Teeter, it didn't have the ingredient that was essential to this meal. So I'm afraid it might, not, it might not taste the way that it should. And this isn't a blast to you, honey, because I know that you called me ahead and you said you're going to be a little late. But I'm afraid because it is a little bit late, later than I had just made, that it might not taste as fresh. And then I said, um, you literally said that you're afraid three times. Do you think that I would flip the table and that I would throw that chicken outside, and that I would scream at you? She said, of course not. 
She said, it's just that you're my husband, and I love you, and I actually want to treat you well. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Not because she was fearful of me, but because she loved me. She wanted it to be right. She wanted it to be perfect. She wanted it to serve me. My wife's fear was not fright. Her fear came from a place of love and a desire to serve her husband, the man who promised to give himself to her for the rest of their lives. Holy fear is kind of like an anxious love to please the one who loves you more than anyone else can ever love you. Even though fearing God begins with a sense of fright before our holy God, it's not the same thing as being afraid of God. Okay, because I want you to hear me out now. You see, to fear God is to stand in awe of God before him. That's to fear God. To be afraid of God is to run away from him. To fear God is to stand in awe before him in his presence. To be afraid of God is to run away from him and away from his presence. Do you see the difference? It's kind of close to one another, but they're different. Because once a person moves from the fright of God to the fear of God, that is when they'll begin to understand the love of God and the humble gratitude of God. The problem that we have is this, is that we keep emphasizing the fright of God. This kind of fear, it produces an unhealthy kind of fear, and it ultimately results in what do you guys think if you have this type of fear? It's an L word. Legalism. So the relationship we have with God becomes kind of one like master and slave. And so we read the Bible and we pray and we serve and we do this and we do that because we think if we don't, we'll get punished or that God will hold it against us like as if he's keeping track of everything we do or don't do and that he will use it against us. The Bible says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You do not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption when we cry out, Abba, Father, God has not given you the spirit of slavery. He has given you the spirit of adoption. You see, it's that kind of fear that John says in 1 John 4. God is love. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Meaning this, there is fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. So fearing God and loving God go hand in hand. Okay? Fearing God and loving God, they go hand in hand. Psalm 147 says this, The Lord delights in those who fear him and who put their hope in his unfailing love. The thing about fearing God is that gradually the fear of other things, like the approval of parents, the pressures of peers, friends, the uncertainty of the future, the discouragement and guilt of the past, all those things will eventually be driven out, whereas if you do not fear God, you will fear everything else. You hear that? If you do not fear the almighty powerful God and his ways and his sovereign control and will over your life and his presence and grace, then guess what? You will begin to fear even the smallest of things in your life. So how do we learn to fear God? In Acts 9, it says this, the early church was going, <coughs> was going on in the fear of the Lord. The early church was going on in the fear of the Lord, that they were living, practicing, living in fear of God. So how do we get there as a church? Huh? First is this, the fear of God, it comes from God. Okay? Fear of God comes from God. In other words, we got to ask God to teach us how to fear him. 
We have to ask him to pour into us a deeper understanding of who he is, whether it's through worship, whether it's through the Bible, (coughs) through dreams or visions or the many ways in which God can reveal his greatness. In fact, it can even be through his creation. God, we must tell him and ask him and pray and say, Lord, teach me how to fear you. Secondly, we need to reflect upon the character of God. You know, when you read the Bible, do not pick and choose what you want to read. Okay? Read it all. Read the parts that you don't like. Read even the parts that make you drowsy or even squeamish. Read even the parts that you know are unpopular and are taboo in this day and age. Ask yourself, what does the Word of God tell me about the character of God so that I might have the fear of God? Look, if I want to grow my marriage with grace, I don't just show up when she's always happy. I'm there all the time at whatever the cost because my aim is to know her fully. And when I know her fully, then I appreciate the wonder and the complexity of who she is. So my recommendation is for you all to read Proverbs, to read the Psalms as often as you can, maybe every day if you can remember to do so. Because those two books, the Psalms and Proverbs, they can really help teach you about the character of God. Okay, so think about that. Read it all. Thirdly, (coughs) to fear God, to learn how to fear God, you should study the lives of other believers. Study the lives of other believers. Don't just read Harry Potter. Study the lives of other readers, of other believers. Read about the great preachers. Read about other great theologians. Read about the old saints. Read about the martyrs. Even the ordinary men and women who know and love Jesus. Because you will see in their books, in their writings, the entirety of their lives, a life that was lived in the fear of God and what that practically and spiritually looked like. And so that will help you and guide you. Fourthly, To fear God is to practice the worship of God. I want to say this. There's really nothing more important than for you and your friends and your family and as a church to participate in weekly worship of God. We need to learn how to kneel before the presence of God. We need to learn how to sing songs that adore God. We need to affirm our faith to one another. We need to sit under the preaching and teaching of the word of God. We need to worship even when you don't feel it. Worship even when you don't want to. And might I add, the condition of your spiritual state is often reflected in how you worship. Does that make any sense? How you are spiritually, oftentimes you can see it in the way that you worship when you're distant removed and you're just like I don't want this check your worship if it's dry and you're uninterested and and you're drawn to your distractions and whether you'll get a cheap laugh from the sermon then your heart is not there your mind is far off and your spirit is not in communion with God so I would consider this every Sunday when you come to worship at two o'clock check your worship a verse that my father had us memorized from an early age was Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This verse is saying when the fear of God is removed from your life, your compass of truth, the guide that fearing God provides is all going to disappear. And so what occurs is that we begin to live differently. If you don't fear God, you start living differently. You start living more emotionally. You start living a little bit more circumstantially. You start living a lot more impulsively. And so we tend to make foolish decisions. And in those foolish decisions, we start having and reaping horrible consequences. And so at the end of the day, there's really only two kinds of fear that we need to learn. 
One kind of fear is one that makes you cower and turn away from him in terror or fright like I mentioned before. This type of fear is usually something that Christian would not face or at least should not face because this fear does not glorify God. This type of fear does not enjoy God. This type of fear is someone who does not want to know God. This type of fear is resentful of God, resentful and suspicious of who God is. But you see, the more that you understand the gospel, the more that you'll see that this kind of fear, it does not belong in us. Because the gospel shows us the glory of God's grace in Christ. And that grace, it lifts us up. It brings assurance of our salvation. It brings kind of a fearlessness of sorts. It allows us to live boldly and unashamedly as men and women who have eternal destiny with the Lord. So maybe you don't fear God and maybe you fear God the wrong way. Regardless, the only way to appropriately fear God is only, this is the only way. So this is really the answer, okay, to it all. How do I fear God? Yeah, check your worship. Yes, you should read scripture, read all of it. Yes, you should do all those things. But this is it. The way that you fear God all depends on whether you are safe and secure in Christ. Whether you are safe and secure in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because if you have Christ, there's nothing to fear in life. And that means you have the fear of the Lord. But the second kind of fear is one in love. This kind of fear, it draws us to him. This kind of fear, it humbles him. This kind of fear, it frees us from everything else. This is a new kind of fear. This is a new way. When you fear God, guess what? Trust emerges. You begin to trust him more. When you don't fear God or when you fear God the wrong way, what emerges? Hatred emerges. Bitterness emerges. Resentment and rebelliousness emerges. Think about that for a second. Have you been living a life of bitterness and resentment? Have you been living a life of complete apathy? No grace, no mercy. Those are indications that perhaps you don't fear God. That you don't fear God. When you fear God, when you actually authentically, genuinely fear God, you begin to see the greatness of God. You begin to see the immeasurable superiority of God, that he's so much better than anything else in life. You, so you begin to see how small you are, how in need you are, how foolish you are, how shallow you are, and how broken you are. The more I'm drawn to the fear of the Lord, the more I realize how big he is and how small I am. Fearing God is good, good because it saves us from caving into our sinful nature. Like Proverbs 1.7, you know, the one who doesn't fear God, they're all about being foolish. They're all about living for the world. They're all about despising what is good, what is wise, and what is disciplined. So here's my final, final point. Fearing God, you see, it liberates you to be able to serve others and to love others with a pure heart. Fearing God, it liberates you to serve others and to love others with a pure heart. You know, if you don't have fear, then the guarantee is that there will be something else that will motivate you. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, then there will be something else that will motivate you. And what could that be? It could be money. It could be fame, approval. Some of you guys said, I have a fear of failure. It could be bitterness towards someone who's wronged you. But when you fear God, there is no greater controlling influence on you other than the reality of God's love for you. In other words, you are motivated by God's love. So, what does that mean? If you fear God, 
you will, for the first time in your life, be able to worship freely. You will be able to serve freely. You will be able to love freely. You will be able to give freely. And you will ultimately be able to live freely. So fearing God is not a restriction. To fear God is to live life the way that he wants you to. Okay? So let's pray. Father, I know that there are just so many points, so many thoughts probably going through our minds right now. But we also know, Lord, that, that fearing God, although it may not be a hot topic, <clears throat> that it is important for us to think and discuss and to ponder. But Lord, there's also action. And I think that's been kind of the theme throughout this entire retreat, that, that the Christian life isn't simply about being passive and living uh, in a very kind of inactive way but rather it is a um, very productive, very fruitful, advancing forward type of way. <coughs> I pray uh, that today's topic of fearing you, Lord, would encourage us uh, not to seek shelter from you or not to cower away from you, but to help us understand the distinction now of what it means to fear you. That fearing you, Lord, is different from being afraid of you. Lord, because to fear you, is to see you with such wonderment and amazement. To fear you is to look upon you in awe and to be mesmerized by your reverence. But to be afraid of you, Lord, means that we tend to run away from you. And the reason why we run away from you is because maybe we're being rebellious. Maybe there's a lot of sin in our hearts that we're unwilling to admit. Or maybe simply because we just don't know you. And so you scare us. But the more we know God, the more we know you, Lord, the more we realize to fear you is actually a huge benefit. To fear you is actually appropriate. So I pray if anything right now, God, would you just make your presence known to us? Would you help us to just come before you in deep humility? God, would you teach us to be, to have the fear of the Lord? Lord, I want to live the rest of my days as your friend. But Lord, living as your friend doesn't cut it. Because I want to live the rest of my days knowing that you're my God. That you're my Abba Father. Because when I recognize and live my days that way, I know that I will not be controlled or motivated or influenced or impacted by anything that the world has to offer. But rather, I can live freely because you cover me. I can live freely because the fear of the Lord overshadows any fear that I might have of man. Brothers and sisters, uh, let's take a moment and just pray. I know it's a lot of information. Take your time, meditate, reflect on what you think you've heard. Reflect on what you believe that the Lord has been kind of really emphasizing in, in your mind and heart for the past, what, 30, 40 minutes as you've been hearing this. Lift that up to the Lord.